Welcome back to Vines by Alicia, the lifestyle show that helps women 40 plus with lifestyle tips to enjoy their 40s to the max through education, conversation, and inspiring interviews. This podcast is here to empower all of us to be badass no matter where we are in whatever stage in our life. So today we are doing an emergency, a kind of like a urgent episode just because so many people have been reaching out to us and wanting to know more information. As you all know, this past weekend I posted a story on my Instagram about a medical scare that we had, um, but we really definitely want to go into it a little bit more because we are getting so many DMs and I think the most important way for us to kind of reach all the DMs and all the people that are asking questions is just to do one episode. You can listen to it, go back to it and, and share it with your husbands. I think that's the one part that a lot of women are sending me. They're like, I need to hear this because I need to send it to my husband because he does not listen to me. He does not want to go to the doctor. He does not want to get checked. So, Okay. Rusk is here with me, my husband. Rusk. Oh. Um, and Rusk had a medical scare this past weekend that we were totally not expecting. I think, if anything, our doctor said something like, oh, it could be very dire, it could be very serious. And we just kind of looked at each other like, oh, she's just exaggerating. But she wasn't exaggerating. She was right on point. No, she wasn't exaggerating at all. It was, because uh, we're, I'm, like I explained to the doctor earlier that I'm kind of very centered, but, you know, uh, even kill kind of guy, but I work out yeah. a lot. I've been, I've, I've, I left the shop five years ago, kind of get my health back on track. You had convinced me to sign up with this direct primary care business model. I was a little yeah. skeptical, but it was working out great for yeah. you. You introduced me to what I think is my life savior right now. I think so Dr. Too. Sonia Singh. It's, it's by far been the best thing that I've done over the last seven to eight months. Um, and so kind of fast forward to the predicament was uh, several months ago, I just started experiencing shortness of breath. And so I, we're in July, and right. this happened and probably, probably about, about February, February or March. 2023. Right. Somewhere around that time. Yeah. And leading, leading up to that, for about the last 18 months, I was on workout supplements because I was doing some pretty intense workouts. Yeah. I was doing cardio for an hour, and then I was going to the gym for an hour after that. And so I needed, you know, some energy. And got to meet Dr. Singh, and first thing, you know, in our first primary consultation, she tells me, you need to get off that stuff. And so I threw it away. And yes. then immediately my performance started going down yeah. maybe about six to eight weeks because, as a doctor will explain, that stuff takes a little bit of a yeah. time for it to wash itself out of your system. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just thought it was that. And when I was going to these cycle classes, I noticed that my performance numbers were dropping. I was yeah. no longer number one in the class, and that was absolutely <laughs> driving me crazy. And my son was beating me. That was driving me even more crazy. Mm, I know. Our son is 20 years old. And so there were some days that, that were better than others, but I was having shortness of breath. And so prior to that, in January, we had done a residential project that a lot of construction, a lot of debris. So I just thought I had inhaled a lot of sheetrock and, and dust and thought maybe that was the case. And But it was kind of manageable. And to fast forward over the last several months, the shortness of breath wasn't really bad until we end up in Rwanda. Yeah. Yeah, we're so now we we're now in July, yeah, and we're climbing eight thousand feet, nine thousand feet, ten thousand feet, and I can't breathe for shit. Yeah, and I've climbed some mountains before, Machu right. Picchu, Cotopaxi in Ecuador. Never, and those are actually higher. And Cotopaxi was like twelve thousand yeah, feet. Yeah, twelve thousand. I didn't have this kind of shortness of breath back then. And I was, and Lisa was looking at me like, "How are we going to make it to the top? We're only halfway right. there." And you know, here's the crazy part. All I'm thinking is how much I paid for this. I said, <laughs> "I am determined to make it to the top." 
because I didn't think I have anything wrong with me. I just think I'm high elevation. I think that maybe that maybe the workout stuff wasn't working anymore. Maybe there's something wrong with me. But on the way down, I had the same problem. And then that wasn't really that. That wasn't still. I didn't still think there was that much wrong with me because I'm thinking in my mind. I'm at nine or ten thousand feet. Just took some very long flights. Yes. Uh, one to Europe for nine hours. I only had like you know a day and a half in Amsterdam to recover, so it was jet lag. And now I take another eight or nine hour flight to Rwanda. I'm not mm-hmm. just I'm jet lag, right? Then I get to Sicily. Fast forward four days, I can't climb a flight of stairs without absolutely losing my breath. And then I knew there's something wrong, and that's when I had texted Doctor Singh here. I was like, I need to come and check this out. This this is not normal. I'm simply just going up 10 steps, and I can't make it. So luckily, I mean, this is all pure luck in my case. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. I think it is. Maybe doctor will, will chime in here in a bit and tell me, well, all the work and you did probably helped your situation, and some other fortuitous uh, things probably happened after that. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I got back in town, went to see the doctor, and uh, she ordered some cat because, oh, so we, we bump into each other heading up into the, her office. We're in the elevator. Yes. And she's not telling me anything, but then she tells me a little bit later that your breathing in the elevator wasn't normal by simply standing still. You know, trained, trained ear, trained eye, trained vibes or whatever. And so we're going to get you a CAT mm-hmm. scan. I go to the mm-hmm. CAT scan. At least you and I yes. are on this. We're on this. This is going to be a respiratory <laughs> infection. It's going to be probably No, I thought it was like long-term COVID because right, he never virus. had COVID, but I figured he always had it. He just never got checked right. out, Dr. Singh. So. And and, That's here, kind of and here's my deal is I've actually been doing this cardio to prevent what I think is clots because I know from an athlete in high school football that coach said you got to keep it going from high school clots then you kind of read later on that athletes get clots too but different circumstances so I'm doing all this cycling just so I don't get a clot it's like this can't possibly be a clot of course the doctor calls after the CAT scan about 20 minutes later and tells me you don't only have clots you have them in your lungs. And then they're in your main arteries, both lungs, not just one lung. And and uh, and I was like, we just, I, I just lost my shit after that. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I didn't know what to do. Doctors called me. I had to process all. I had to take, I, I just need to get off the phone with the doctor because she's like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And she's doing what she's supposed to do. I said, like, I, yeah. I, need, I need to register this for a second. So that's when, you know, you were in the car yeah. with me listening yeah. on the speaker. Listening to everything. And then, but, I, but what went back in my head was a flight of stairs in Sicily. I said, I think the doctor's right. I look at you. I said, yeah. Not that I was trying to. I'm just trying to. I'm just. I'm just not. A, I just didn't. This was coming out of nowhere. It's like it's like having you find out your kid has cancer, 15 years old. It's kind of like a major curveball. So huge curveball. And so we're going to the ER today. Yeah. So we went to get my son from baseball. We packed our stuff and we went and to the we hospital. We went straight right. to the hospital. But I want to preface all of this before I introduce Dr. Singh, our doctor, our PCP, and the founder of Juniper um, HDX, with the. The, the concept that Rusk and I were never on any medication. We never were on any, um, I never even took birth control. We were so adamant about staying off medicine, being as healthy as possible, working out as much as possible so we can do preventive medicine so that we didn't ever, we didn't have this situation happen to us today. We did everything we could correctly. I came to see you when I was having menopausal issues. You, we took care of it. I was having hypertension. You and I worked it out. I didn't have to take any meds. I'm still not on any hormones, and I feel great. I feel amazing. I'm going to be 48 next week. So I want to preface all of this conversation with saying that Rusk and I have always been as healthy as we could possibly be. 
our our way of life. But the one thing I will bring up is that Rusk had a very high stress um, job from the age of 21 to 45, 46, probably. Hyper stress. I think for me, I was worried that he was going to have a heart attack at some point because he had such a stressful life. Um, it was a 60, 70 hour work week for him. Um, I don't know if that contributed to it. I think Dr. Singh will add a little bit of, of that to it. But that's the only thing that I can think of that gives me a reason why he would be sick today. Because other than that, I don't understand it. It is, it's, I think we're just bewildered, completely bewildered by yeah, this whole yeah, thing. We shocked. It was just, I mean, it it's was just a shock. And I right. think we're still kind of <laughs> a little bit of a shock. But I think this conversation today is because we're getting so many questions on people want to know, like, what should we look for? Okay. So, Dr. Singh, you see us. Russ comes in to see you last week. Dr. Singh is a PCP. She also has a concierge service. She's evidence-based health and lifestyle. Uh, you will find her at Sonia Singh MD on Instagram. And if you want more information, she's at www.junipermodernprimarycare.com. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for Welcome having me to and letting me be your PCP, trusting me with your health. Um, I mean, I think I think Russ's story starts like way before that. And this all speaks to like the importance of having a PCP in the first place. Like you guys were doing yes. everything right in terms of your lifestyle and the things that you were in control of. But I think establishing that relationship with a doctor as early as you can as an adult makes a huge difference. So to me, the story didn't start in the office visit or in the elevator or even when he texted me from Sicily. It started just meeting Russ, like you introducing me yeah. to him and saying, look, he doesn't really love going to the doctor. <laughs> he hasn't seen one in a long Absolutely. time. <laughs> he just wants to get a few things checked. Um, so, you know, having that context of knowing him a little bit better, knowing you guys, knowing his personality, that helps me interpret everything else that happens. So when he texted me from Sicily, I know he's not the kind of guy that's going to run to me with every ache and pain no. and say, yeah. I think something's wrong. So to get a text from the other side of the world of somebody saying, I, I think something's not right. I don't feel mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Immediately then, you know, my little alarm bells were ringing. Like little something. antenna <laughs> start going. The little antenna went up. Yes, yeah. Right. <laughs> so then coincidentally, and I'm so glad it happened, you know, we just bumped into each other in the parking lot and walked to the elevator. And I saw him walk just from the car to the elevator. Mm -hmm. And we were chatting about his trip in the elevator. And I was just looking at his breathing and thinking, like, that, yeah. that doesn't look right. Mm -hmm. And then, again, it was, like, ringing, 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 something's not right here. Um, we sat down and we're chatting. And when he was sitting, he looked fine. And he was also, like, you know, I'm going to cycle bar. I'm doing this. I'm Like, there were a lot of indicators that he was doing fine. Mm -hmm. um, and I took him back to the exam room, kind of started checking him out. His lungs sounded really clear, which to me was actually kind of a bad sign if I had heard bronchitis, pneumonia, something mm. gunky in there. Right. I would have said, oh, okay, you yeah. got an infection. That's we're going to treat this, you know? Yeah. Um, but they were completely clear. Um, oxygen, okay, but a little lower than I would expect for someone, you know, healthy. And also, I know Ruskin, I know he's fit, and I know he exercises yes. a lot. A I lot. think if he had walked into some random place where they didn't know him at all, they'd be like, oh, you know, guy is late 40s overweight. Maybe, maybe he's just out of shape. Maybe that's all. Yeah. Um, and I knew that that was not the case for him. You know, right. like this was not his normal breathing. Yeah. This is not normal functioning for him. Um, and then again, knowing his personality, there are some patients that would look exactly like that. And I would say, 
I think you should go to the ER right now and get a scan. I would yeah. have said that to some people, yes. like my really anxious types who can't wait yeah. and, you know, yeah, are, yeah. are really mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, something might be terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would have sent them. Knowing him, I was like, you know, he's felt this way for a few weeks. He's stable here right now. He's going to think I'm insane if I tell him to go pack a bag and go to the ER. Yeah. So let's just let's start with some testing. So we started with the testing and every piece of information I got after that was like, I think he has a clot. I think he has a clot. And I, I, it was one of those times where as a doctor, you kind of have like a little crystal ball where you're like, I can see where this is going. And I knew that you could not see where it was going. Obviously you had no reason to. Um, in and the blood work, what was one of those first indicators? D-dimmer, so, right? Yeah. So we did a full set of blood work when he came back mm -hmm. because so many things can cause shortness of breath. I mean, severe anemia, um, mm -hmm. you know, kidney failure, heart failure. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, so many things. So we did a full set of blood work and everything was fine except for this one test called the D-dimer, which is a test that helps us decide if someone is not obvious slam dunk blood clot in the lungs and you're going to send them for a scan. If, if you do that test and it's high, yeah. it pushes you over the edge to say, yes, we got to do it. And uh, if it's normal, uh -huh. you know, the vast majority of the time there's nothing there. So it's, you feel gotcha. more comfortable saying right. we can wait and continue searching for something that's causing this. So when that came back high, truthfully at that point, I was like, he has a clot. Like I felt very, very, I would have bet money on it. I felt very confident. Um, and so I, I told him like, okay, we're going to get a scan now. Yeah. And then the next day, he had scheduled a scan for the evening. The next day I was like, okay, it's going to be like 7 p.m. The radiologist is going to call me. They're going to tell me there's a clot. And then I'm going to have to call Russ and tell him, you have a clot. You have to go to the yeah. hospital. Yeah. Yes. And I knew that that was going to feel like such a sudden, you know, mm -hmm. like you said, mm -hmm. like just a total curveball. So I think I texted you sometime in the afternoon, yeah. and I was like trying to mentally prepare you. I was yes, like, you yeah. This no, is, you're gonna you get this scan. Doctor Sonia saying right. you're mentally preparing us, and we're over here like, oh my oh. god, she's you, such a you did, you did the right thing because you read my personality correctly. <laughs> right. As much as I don't want to hear it, I did need to hear it because you did need to not hear telling it. me out of after, not preparing me for it would right. have been even a greater. So yeah, I mean, I knew you didn't like it in the afternoon, and I knew you weren't gonna no. like it. Yeah. Yeah. But no. I was like, I have planted the seed now. He has it in his mind yes, that right. I might call and say this. So, you know, in that afternoon before we even had the scan, I was like, look, there's a good chance tonight I'm going to call you and I'm going to tell you to go to a hospital. And I know that sounds crazy because you've been on an airplane, on a mountain, like at Psycho Bar. You've been doing all these yes, things and yes, I'm telling you, active. you have a medical emergency. <laughs> that sounds yeah. insane. Um, Especially when you don't, you don't feel any symptoms. Right. Except, except I mean, the shortness of breath. I mean, you did have symptoms. I, yes. did, <laughs> I did have shortness of breath. I just didn't feel like... Right. I, I was sick. Right. There was no right. pain in his chest, right. for yeah. example. Yeah, you didn't. I mean, if you Google pulmonary embolism, yeah. you're going to see like pulmonary high heart rate, embolism. chain in the pet, I right. mean, pain in the chest, all of these things. And he didn't, he wasn't a textbook case. He wasn't case. feeling any of that. So I'm a strange human being, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know that. So, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, we had that conversation in the afternoon. He didn't really like it. I kind of, I knew that and I was fine with that. And then uh, lo and behold, at you know, I knew the scan was at six, I think at like, 6.30, the radiologist called yeah, called and texted me and said, I need mm -hmm. to speak to you. And, uh, you know, gave me the results of the scan. And I I was hoping, like, maybe it's a small clot. Maybe I can squeeze mm -hmm. by without sending him mm -hmm. to the hospital. And she was like, no, it's very extensive. It's in both lungs. It's in the main pulmonary arteries. Um, wow. So a lot of times they don't even let you leave the facility. But I had put in notes, like, he is clinically stable. I just saw him yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes, like, I yes. emphasized that. And the other reason, you know, this is, again, speaking to the, the power of direct primary care, 
The other reason I felt comfortable doing all of this with you is because I knew I could text you anytime and you could text me anytime. Yes. yes. So right. I texted you multiple times yes, between the day I saw you yes, and the right. scan being like, right. are you okay? Everything fine? Right. Everything yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you're. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just yeah. want to reemphasize that. Yeah. Do you see how this works with the direct primary care model? You get to text your doctor directly. This is not, you're not texting right. a nurse or an, uh, or a, uh, or register uh, or a PA, medical system, medical system <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. And Dr. Singh had already yes. reached out to the CAT scan, to the imaging um, place, and has said, put in the notes. I mean, all this, all this preemption was, you know, minutes, hours of saving. And and that they weren't prepared for that. I may have not yeah. got the results until the next day. Right, right. Who knows where I could have been. So mm -hmm. all these decisions by Dr. Singh to expedite the process and make it more efficient was critical at that time. Super. Right. So this it's important. And being able to text... Uh, this is what this is because I'm I'm a bear, I'm a bougie guy. I'm all about customer service. Oh yeah. I we mean, over that. the years, I've gotten worse about this stuff. So what Alicia told me, you can just text her directly. That that <laughs> that sold me right there because we've all we've all gone through doctors where even my parents. I mean, and my mom yeah. my mom has yeah. an earache. It's September, you know. She needs a blood test. It's a Kelsey Siebold. It's October before she gets anywhere. And I mean, I talked. I, I get to text Doctor Singh, and here I'm doing a CAT scan tonight, and 30 yes. minutes later, I'm I'm, getting, I'm talking to her. Yes. I'm not talking to some nurse who doesn't have half the answers. Right. Let me get with the doctor. Doctor calls me for 30 seconds, and then I'm I'm talking to the nurse again. This is it's fantastic, by the way. No, it's amazing, and I think the reason why we were not so sold on the primary care is because we're so used to how our parents get care, you know, and they're elderly, so they go to the hospital. And then it takes me three or four calls to finally get to a doctor to give me something as a feedback, right? right. And when I found you and I met you and I was like, oh, she will actually text you right back with results and she will right. guide you through them. It's, it's the greatest it thing ever. It has never happened yes. that way. And I guess because we're so used to taking care of our parents where they're right. on Medicaid right. or they're on Supplemental B insurance yeah. <laughs> where yeah. they're just ignored. Well, continue, doctor. I didn't mean to yeah. catch you off. No, I just, no, no, just no. want to throw that in there. How, no, there's just how, a difference. How critical that was in the hours because when I got to the Super ER, the critical. ER said you could, it could have been, been any minute. Yeah. 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 So, so I got the result from the radiologist immediately called you guys. Um, and basically, you know, tried to explain you've got clots in the lungs, both sides. It looks very extensive. It's pretty serious. Um, and the safest thing for you to do at this point is to go to a hospital to start your treatment. And I remember, like, I was hoping that Alicia was listening to yes, yeah. <laughs> or that, yeah, that you would let me phone. talk to her. Yeah, she because was a speaker. Sometimes <laughs> when I can't convince the person, I yes. need to convince their spouse. Right. So I was glad that both both of you guys were, were listening the whole time. Um, and again, I know you were just like, but I'm fine. Are you sure? Are you fine? Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. I, if that yeah. result hadn't come straight to me and me called straight, I feel like you would have been like, are you sure that's my lungs? Like, are you sure that's me? Right. Because you just didn't feel as bad as that scan right. looked. Um, and so I was worried that you were going to not want to go, but you, you told me 20 minutes later, we're headed to the hospital, you yes. know, we're going to go, um, which I felt good about. And then I'm fortunate enough to have a relationship with Methodist. So I'm able to see everything going into the chart and wow. orders going in and notes going in. Um, and then I can upload documents. So I immediately uploaded the fax report of your CT scan. You were smart enough to take the CV with you, which was awesome. Um, that was my father, by the way. That was <laughs> decades of experience. He texted yeah. me, take the CD. Always scan. take the CD. Yes, Always right. take the CD. That was his experience. That was, I got to give the credit to him, but go ahead. Yeah. So then uh, as soon as I hung up with you and you said you were going, I called Methodist. I spoke to a lovely ER doctor, gave him the full story. Um, and uh, the guy kept saying, but is he stable? Are you sure he's stable? And I yeah. said, 
you know, he did. He was number one in Cycle Bar this morning. Mm-hmm. He's <laughs> he's gonna be okay until he yeah. gets there. Um, so uh, yeah, and you know, then I basically I I had dinner plans that night, so I went out. I was texting the whole time with you guys, and when I came back. I logged into Methodist and I looked at the chart mm-hmm. and made sure, mm-hmm. you know, he was getting admitted and all the things were happening. And this is like 10 p.m. at night, by the way, guys. <laughs> I mean, where do you find a doctor that does this at the 10 p.m. at night? Yeah. Four, no, four, 4 a.m. the practice is closed. No, it's right. absolutely. You know, something of. like this happens to one of my patients like maybe two, three times a year. Mm-hmm. So it, this is not a common thing. I'm not doing this every single day. But when I know the patient and I'm so invested in them, like yeah. I want to know, I want to know, like, are they are they are they getting the right care? Are things getting done? Um, I also didn't want him to get one, two things done, get booted out, and then yes. suddenly I'm scrambling to, you Correct. know, do the rest of it for Correct. you. So, um, I mean, it, it like I said, I, it, I we did a, I did a post about this. It's like it didn't feel like work. It was so, so it, natural. So, Doctor Singh, what are the consequences of not getting checked out for this? Because a lot of ladies that are texting me or DMing me, they're like, my husband has these same. Uh, symptoms, but he just doesn't want to go into the doctor. What are the consequences of somebody not going to see a doctor or the ER room? Well, I mean, I would start by saying a lot of different things can cause shortness of breath. And that was really the only symptom he came to me with. So, I mean, it could, it could be a multitude of things. Why did you say it was dire? After the CT scan? Yeah. No, I mean, after the blood work. Because I knew after the blood work, I was very confident that it was a clot. Okay. And so, you know, I need, I, I, again, a lot of patients I would have just sent straight to the ER at that point, but I was like, I don't know, he's still, still think he's going to think it's dramatic. Let's just try to get the CT and confirm. Because I'm anti-drama guy. <laughs> it's good context. Yeah. I'm the one so, that brings the drama. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was trying to keep things calm and just kind of, I mean, I knew he was, he had already had this for weeks. Right. So in his situation, you know, if he said this symptom started for me yesterday, I wouldn't have given him any breathing room. I would have said, uh, you go right now. Right. But the fact is, he he had had this for a long yeah. time, yeah. so it didn't happen yesterday, and it seemed like it wasn't progressing, right. you know, very obviously. So if you do have, you know, a pulmonary embolism and you ignore it, I mean, the mortality, like death from pulmonary embolism, is you know, ten to thirty percent. So you might not even get to the point where you realize you have something. I mean, it could just hit you quite suddenly. And then if you've got, you know, one that's um, survivable and it's just sitting there, like um, Rusk's was. It puts stress on your heart over time, okay. and it puts stress on your lungs, and so you can develop heart failure. You can develop pulmonary hypertension. You, those are permanent, right, or at least long term. They're long term. Yeah, right. I mean, once that stuff starts right. changing, um, it's not an easy. It scars. It scars your. It scars right. the organs. Right. That's what. Right. Right. Remember what's what the cardiologist told me. Yep. Yeah. And so, and then you know, if you still have clot in your leg, as yeah. you did, you right. know, there's also the possibility that uh, more clots could travel to the lungs and right. you know, cause additional stress that you don't have already. So, um, I mean, it's it's a do not miss I kind think, of. Situation. I think what Alicia was asking. Just to rephrase it, not necessarily the shortness of breath, but I think some of our friends probably have different sets of issues. Yes. And and how to, you know, how do you convince them that I mean this is kind of what the essence of this podcast is that it it, it can just it could it could be lingering in you for weeks, for months, and then one day it just sneaks up on you. Right. Right, yeah, right. So I mean my answer to that would be if you're not sure, you should always get it checked out. Like you don't, ha- most people do not have the medical knowledge. I mean, we go to school for a really long time to yeah, be able right. to look at somebody like you and decide what to do. Yes. 
So exactly. it's not reasonable to think that you plus Google is going to be able to no. replace that. Yeah. And I think what holds people back, it's a lot of things. It's like the hassle of it. It's being like, well, who should I go see? Is that person someone, someone that, you know, is going to be good? Can I trust what they say? Yeah, I think um, that's part of I the I think problem. there's the, you know, cost. You don't know how long you're going to have to wait. You know, well, oh, if it's the appointment's three weeks from now, like, whatever. I guess I'll just wait and see what happens because yes. it might be gone by then. Yes. Um, what about the psychology of bad news? Oh, that's huge. Right? I mean, people just don't want to hear it. Denial right. is like denial. a powerful thing. Right. Yeah. And I think that I think there's I, I see like two kind of broad categories of people. Yeah. I am like the anxious type of like when I feel fear or anxiety about something, I'm like, let's figure it out. Let's yeah. prepare yeah, as yeah, much yeah. as we can. Let's check every test. Of course. And I think there's another, you know, type of person that's more like avoidant and is just kind of like, I'm not going to think about that thing. I'm not going to let it. Yes. I'm not going to bother, bother me. I'm just going to keep keep going. Keep pushing. It's going to be fine. It'll go away. Um, and you know, when it doesn't, yeah. <laughs> at some point they come in and, and see me, but it's really important for me to have an idea of what that person's personality is as a patient, right. because that helps me yes, kind right. of interpret That's when, huge. you know, so Dr. Singh, if they're feeling some of these symptoms, what if they're feeling some of these different things? Like maybe they're dizzy, maybe they're having shortness of breath, um, I know Rusk and I just kind of like through it, like, oh, you just had a tough workout. Oh, you just, like, it's the altitude. Like, mm -hmm. we just kind of, like, find excuses for why we don't want to accept when something is really, really bad, right? And it just came to a point where Russ was like, I just really feel like this is just yeah. not something it's not normal. normal. Right. I mm -hmm. just don't right. explain it. Because, I explain because it. I think a lot of the times our friends or, I mean, just you, you yourself personally, it, it's, it's passing. You you'll have an ache in your leg, or you'll have some, uh, you'll have a, a pull in your back, and yeah. and then psychologically, all that information builds up in you over the years. Like, oh, this is just going to pass. Just it's just taking a little bit and longer. And I think our brain right. creates these these excuses for it, right? Oh, yeah. So that we don't accept what's really happening, because I think that's what happened last week. We're like, oh, she's exaggerating. There's no way she's going to the worst case scenario. There's no way it could be anything like that. Like you're healthy it was the worst case it was it was it was but i think what i want to just convey to my listeners and to the women out there that are just sending me all these messages is please if you do not feel like something is right if you think something is wrong and your body is telling you on a consistent level please go get it checked out there's no reason why you have to keep you, waiting for something to happen. What do you tell most of our friends are in their 40s? Some of them are yeah. 50s. What 40s do you tell? What do you 50s. tell these guys that not necessarily shortness of breath? What's 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 something they should look for in a particular? Just generally speaking, I know I know the text medical textbooks are so thousands much. of pages, but you, you is how long after something that doesn't go away? I mm -hmm. mean, is it? I, I know you can say, well, it depends this, this, and this. It's like in wine. <laughs> yeah. You say, well, wine tastes like this from this region, but from yeah. this region, there's no right or wrong. What do, what, what do you tell what do you tell a guy in his mid forties or mid fifties yeah. after day number four or day number five okay. or day number well, like, I, I, after okay. a month? Okay, well, I'll tell you two two big things. I right. would say one is. Anything that feels out of the ordinary for you, if you get a cold that just doesn't feel like any of your previous colds, or you get uh -huh. a headache that just doesn't feel like any of your previous headaches, that's always a reason to go ask somebody something. Mm -hmm. Most of the things I see in primary care, coughs and colds, musculoskeletal aches and pains, you know, truthfully, even if I did nothing, they would get better on their own. They're, they're, most of the time they do, they do get better. Most viral infections will, you know, peak around five to seven days, two weeks, usually you're, you're pretty much back to normal. Most musculoskeletal things, throwing out your back, getting some, you know, um, strain or spasm or something yeah. from activity. 
those things sometimes linger for four to six weeks, but at four to six weeks, you know, if it's not getting better, you definitely should go in. That being said, there's a lot of red flags that can happen before four to six weeks that would yeah. indicate to you, okay, okay you got to go see somebody earlier than that. But, you know, I, musculoskeletal pain, viral infections, those are like very big common things that a lot of people experience that I see a lot in primary care and that usually sort themselves out. But mm -hmm. if they feel different than the ones you've had before, you should always, you know, get them checked. But I, I think the bigger point is get a primary. Just get a primary that you like. Get somebody that you feel comfortable that you can reach out to and ask the question. And I think the problem with our healthcare system is that we just put so many barriers between the we doctor do. and the patient and we make it hard so that you're you you have have the tendency to say, well, I'll just, I'm to just going to wait and see, and yeah. I, I'm just going to tough yeah. it out. You're and just fine. not willing to deal with Or that. you're afraid, like, they're going to, you know, just give you some script medicine, something that you don't want to take, and, you know. And I also want to emphasize, like, I don't think Russ did anything to cause this. Like, I think yeah. you guys were doing everything right. You can be doing everything right yes. with respect to your diet, your lifestyle, you know, the way you're, you're taking care of yourself, and things can still go wrong, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's very hard for people to believe, especially people who, I think want to opt for non-medication, like natural treatments. They're right. like, well, but what can I do to fix this naturally? There is nothing Russ could have done to fix this naturally. Mm -hmm. Like this was not something that just, it was a free. It was just a free yes. kind of deal, right? Yeah, and we're gonna, I mean, we're going to investigate it further, but we cross our fingers that this was just right. bad luck and there's nothing else right. that caused yeah. this. Unprovoked, you know? right? Unprovoked. Yeah. yeah. So, so like Ch you mentioned, headaches. If head headaches linger, you said musculoskeletal viruses. If they don't alleviate after a couple of weeks, two to three weeks, sure. What about like chest pain or um, what are what are other things you see in guys in their forties and fifties that uh, if it's lingering too long, it's probably something that they more talk serious. to like okay. oh it's just guys natural guys in aging. their forties and fifties should never let chest pain linger <laughs> like chest right. pain right you know maybe a woman in her twenties who has an occasional something going on in the chest can can sit on that for a while. If you're if you're a male and you're already in your 40s yeah. or 50s and you have any type of risk factor, family history, mm -hmm. your weight, you know, high blood pressure. A lot of people don't even know they have high blood pressure because they're not checking it. Um, it's a silent killer. Yeah, right. So I mean, for chest pain, I would never, I would never sit on it. That is always something that should be evaluated. Wow. What about abdominal pain? <laughs> Same thing, right? These are really broad categories. Right, I know. Um, but, you, but you mentioned appendicitis the other day. You had a you had a patient that was kind of sitting on it for a while. And, yeah, uh, again, I mean, to her, it was like, well, the pain's not that bad, you know, I'm doing okay otherwise, I'm still working, you know, is it, but because of the story she was telling me, the location that she was having it, the associated symptoms, the fact that she didn't sound like she had a stomach flu or some other kind of GI bug, I was like, that sounds like an appendicitis. And then I saw her literally two hours after yes. she had texted me, and I did an exam, and I was like, you definitely have an appendicitis, wow. and that night she had her appendix removed. Um, but again, like that really is not about her deciding whether those yeah. are yeah, yeah. concerning symptoms or not. Like, she has Google, too. Like, she was like, I Googled it, and I think, you know, it's in that same area, but, like, I don't think I have the, you know, my right. pain's not severe enough. And it's just, it's not. You're like the, the. <laughs> I think you have it on your bio. Let like, me save you from Dr. Yeah, Google. Let me save yeah. you from Dr. Google. <laughs> but I think the one key thing, the one key element that we really stuck with is, like, your body tells you, your mm -hmm. intuition and your gut. Right. Your gut is telling yeah, right. you something isn't right. Mm -hmm. So listen to that. Yeah. I think we tend to shut it down and we shut it up like, oh, no, 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 it's not, it's not. But your gut tells you it yeah. will. And I think Russ told me this a few times and he kept mentioning to me like, I just don't feel right. This just doesn't feel right. 
And I said to him, I said, well, we've got to just go see the doctor when we get back to Houston. Like, it's important that we definitely see that. But I'm so glad that he even, like, vocalized it. Because mm-hmm. even a lot of guys will not even vocalize it. They will keep it to themselves and say, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. And then it's become something fatal or catastrophic. Mm-hmm. But if you ver- verbalize it or if you pay attention to signals or signs, like I, I see him every day all the time. If I notice him lagging for a reason, I know something isn't mm-hmm. correct. Mm-hmm. And I will be like, okay, what's going on? What are you feeling? Is there something wrong? And at the end of the day, he's like, yeah. I do not feel right. Something is telling me that I feel sick. But it's so hard for us to accept. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where I think lowering the barrier and making it easy. Like uh-huh. the fact that I was a text away and he could say that to me. Right. I'm sure increased the chances that he was actually going to go see me. <laughs> you know, see the, other, the other thing I like about your, 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 practice, your philosophy to medicine, there's no extreme... Uh, I was overweight. I was 269, and I'm down to 242 as of this morning. I've changed my diet. I got off of, uh, you know, I, I took some wine classes over two years. COVID hit. Yeah. Got a little stressed out because COVID is the antithesis of the way my brain does. Put on some weight, lost it, but you didn't tell me it's like it's urgent. You didn't tell me it's diet. You didn't say I had to do, I had to flip my script overnight. You just said I need to just cut down a little bit. Shave, you didn't use these words, but what you alluded to that day, shave off 10% here and there. Shave off yeah. another 10% more. Take it slowly, do things differently in your life. Don't just, you know, go go cold turkey. And I appreciate it because that's the hardest thing. Yeah. Just giving everything up. Because, you know, we, li- we, we, we work to live in this world and you got to live a little bit. And some people have different definitions of how they want to live. And and I, I didn't want to give all that up. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. What you were telling me, just cut, cut it down. Just, just moderate it. And what I did want to ask a little bit earlier was back because I got friends in 40s and 50s and, you know, we're all social drinkers and we always worry about our liver and I think our pancreas, too. And what are the some signs uh, from those two particular? I know I know it's broad. I know medicine's very specific, but just generally speaking, what, what do you see uh, overall when you have probably an issue with your liver, kidneys, pancreas from drinking too much? Something they should yeah, be I mean, for. if you if you just go to a doctor for an annual physical and you mm-hmm. get a basic set of blood work, to us it's like pretty obvious who's drinking too much from mm-hmm. that. You know, even if someone tells me, you could just look I at just them. Socially, yeah, the color of their skin. That's that's true. You do tend to get like a ruddier, kind of more reddish complexion. I mean, there are little things like that. Um, but you know, some people just look like that. So try not to assume, but the labs really don't lie. You know, like the mm-hmm. the liver. There's a couple of liver enzymes, the AST and the ALT. Um, that will go up when someone's been drinking a little too much. Sometimes I also see some clues in their blood counts, like the red blood cells look a little bit bigger. So there's just little tiny clues that show up in the blood work when someone right. is is drinking too much. And, um, you know, the, the amount that's recommended, or, you know, the max amount that's recommended for men is an average of two drinks per night um, or per day. Mm-hmm. So, um, you and know. It's better to drink during the day not than not at night, right? Uh, I mean, for the purposes of your sleep quality, that's true. Yeah. If you drink closer to bedtime, even though it may feel like, oh, it helps me get to sleep and helps me relax, mm-hmm. it actually disrupts your sleep architecture. So you're not getting as quality, high later, quality Later sleep. on in the night. Right. And yeah. helps you fall asleep, like you said, but it's right. going to wake you up at 1 a.m. Right. Right. Wow. This is really good. Pancreas. Uh, you are know. Are there pains? <laughs> are there pains in the stomach that, that friends can look for? No, Gosh. it's just all blood work. No, yeah, no, so I swollen, mean, there's... A swollen pancreas or fatty liver doesn't cause any kind of... 
abdominal discomfort? Well, no. So, pan- you know, with the pancreas, with excessive drinking, you can get pancreatitis, acute pancreatitis, and that just means that you have inflammation of the pancreas. Mm. Usually people will get, you know, pain kind of in the lower part of their chest, upper part of their belly, right in the center. It can radiate into their backs. They'll feel kind of nauseated. They don't feel like eating. Um, you know, that that needs to be treated <laughs> or seen, evaluated by a medical right. professional treated. Um but, you know, what I see more commonly is just people who are chronically drinking too much yeah. and they may never get, you know, actual pancreatitis. Um, but you'll see it in their liver enzymes. You'll see that they're fatigued and they're not getting good sleep. They'll ha- they're having excessive calories. You know, blood sugar might go up. I mean, all kinds of There's other, long-term yeah, consequences factors. from it. Yeah. Wow. This is amazing. This is really good. And I think if anything, um, if you can just share this episode with the people you love, with everyone you think may need to listen to this episode – um, don't take your health for granted. I think we assume because we lead a healthy, happy, healthy lifestyle that nothing can affect us and that we're like immune to disease or um, challenges in our health. It's not like that. And I think this is a big reality check for all of us and just someone that um, just assumes. Right. I think we both do. We just assume everything's great and amazing and wonderful and then it isn't. And I think the best thing is to be proactive in our health and seek out uh, medical attention as soon as you feel like you need it and you need to have that because I think the consequences of not looking into it and not seeing what's going on and not uh, addressing the issues are even greater at the end. And so the situation can become even more catastrophic than it could be at the beginning. Because now I'm on, you know, the consequences, I'm on blood thinners for minimum six months. And that's assuming at the end of six months, I got to do the blood work uh, to check out, we're, yeah. we're going to find out what we're going to try to make an attempt to find out what caused it, but I can't do it now exactly. because the blood thinners, as the doctor explained to me yesterday, yeah. alters or can, can can construe the results a little bit. And so, but we know being on blood thinners, now I have to be careful. No contacts, sports, ulcers, right? I can, I'm, I might eat something that can cause an ulcer. Then I have this internal bleeding issue. So, you know, you, you just don't want to go, th- you don't want to be going through these kinds of things. So, yeah. And one of the doctors at the hospital said to us, oh, yeah. said, <laughs> said, oh, you may not have, you may not be able to travel for a while. Oh, that was like killing him. <laughs> no, yes. you kill him. If you say that to him, I, and I said, I sent him a message. It's like telling you, like, it's even worse than what you've gotten now. Yeah. <laughs> you can't travel. Yeah, that, was tor- that was torturous. <laughs> I think, I think all the blood rushed out of my head almost. I, See, I would then. never casually say that to you. Yeah, I would never right. casually I'm be so like, stop drinking wine yes. and stop traveling. Yes, that's what I said earlier. <laughs> the cardiologist right. at the hospital said that to right. us. We were like, oh, my God. Uh, yes. Yeah, well, so, Killing again, us. it's like knowing the patient and knowing what things you enjoy and what brings you pleasure and joy yeah. in life yeah. and understanding that that's a part of the equation when we're deciding exactly. what we're going right. to do. And so for me to just suddenly be like, oh, you know, those liver enzymes just stop drinking completely <laughs> you know yeah. that that's hard for somebody who just finished their you know right. uh, their wine class so like right. i i i think that you know having someone who knows you just has incredible yeah. value so over true. popping into a random urgent care doc in the box kind of place and seeing somebody who doc in the box doc in the box yeah, that's, that's what exactly I, what big box is. healthcare. it's yes, like big box do you want to go to walmart for your health care yeah. or do you want to go to the local mom you want to go to four seasons yeah. <laughs> Well, no, and be an advocate for yourself, too. Be an advocate for yourself and for the people around you and learn how to advocate around a hospital because that's a whole other thing. Yeah, you could do a whole episode. It is a shit show. The doctor and I had a post brief the next day. It is a shit show in the hospital. Literally, the left hand does not know what the right hand is doing. The ER room does not know what post op or anything. They, They do not communicate at all. They are completely different 
yeah. uh, wings of the building, and there was no communication whatsoever. It's just, it's. But at the I end of the wanna... day, honey, we're so glad this did not happen when we were in Africa when yes, we had right. no idea what was going on yeah. in Africa. Yeah, that would have been more work for me. So, yes. <laughs> that would have. Thanks for not being in a different time zone. <laughs> another level of. Uh... I don't even think I saw any hospitals out there. No, I don't. And we were I in the mountains. Like pretty we were like three hours away from the middle of <laughs> we nowhere. We would have needed a helicopter to get us out of where we were. Thank God you were not off. more dramatic with your text from Sicily. Yes. Because you kept saying, I'm going to be okay until Monday, Doc. Yes, I'm going to yeah. be okay until Monday. Yeah. So I was like, okay, if he really feels like he's going to yeah. be okay until well, Monday. I was, I was finding ways to kind of make you work for myself. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I was, I'm the planner of the trips. So I'm starting to reroute where I'm going based on less, having yeah. to exert yeah. less. Mm. And they had no idea. They're just like, they're just following me. He's like, why are you going this way? I, I never know where I'm going. Yeah. I just like, where she, am I packing? Is up. it hot or cold? <laughs> shows up to the airport. <laughs> to show up to the airport. Thank you, Dr. Singh. We appreciate yeah. so your time. Thank you for having me. And I think we, can, we do. Yeah. We love you. And anything that you all yeah. have any questions about, um, go to her website. I mentioned it earlier in the day, and I also have a booklet on advocating for yourself in um, in uh, in healthcare and uh, in being in the hospital. Just because I have just a ton of experience on that. And thank you so much, Doctor Singh. You're welcome. Thanks and for having. And thank you for sharing your story, honey. Thank you. Oh, did you turned off your thing already? I'm I'm just glad to be here. <laughs> I'm glad to be alive. I'm glad to be seen. And I'm today. so grateful that you're here, baby. Love you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate okay. it. Thank you, Dr. Singh.